Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's Inspiring Leadership podcast. This week's guest is very interesting. Uh, we're having a conversation with him in Brussels, but he spent much of his life in Slovakia, and he has set up a fascinating organization which is involved in global and European security. Uh, he's been meeting with some fascinating people from Zelensky to Ursula von der Leyen and also to Macron. So without further ado, I'll let him introduce himself. Hello, thank you for the invitation. My name is Robert Vash, and I'm the founder and president of Globsec, which is a leading think tank and non-governmental organization in Central Europe, dealing with international and geopolitical security issues. Uh, and with that, I would like to hand back to Jonathan Bowman-Perks. Thank you very much indeed, Robert. Well, Robert, it's... Um... It's been a fascinating time with what's been going on with European security. And in a moment, we can be talking about the, uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. We can talk about uh, the expansion of NATO, how the European Union has grown, uh, how global security is probably at its most threatening that it has been in my lifetime. And I'm 60 years old. Um, you know, I grew up born just uh, 15 years after the end of the Second World War, and now I think it's the most dangerous time I've known it, having been an army officer serving on the east-west German front and working in electronic warfare. I saw a lot of what was going on, on the other side, what the Russians were up to and the East Germans. But um, let's begin with Inspiring Leadership, since the series is about Inspiring Leadership. For you, Robert, what does inspiring leadership mean? And when you meet somebody who you describe as an inspiring leader, what qualities do you admire about them? For me, an inspiring leader is a leader that inspires me in doing something not for my own or for money, but for a bigger good, something that is bigger than you and that you want to do because of a good cause. Uh, and... I met a lot of inspiring leaders who inspire me to do things uh, which, uh, which are not for your own, own good. So that's for me the inspiring leadership. Yeah, no, I think that's right. They've got to be bigger than the selfish myself, uh, all about me, me, me. And we have in Europe and around the world at the moment quite a lot of what they call strongman leaders, but it's all about them and how long they can stay in power rather than doing things for the good of the community or society or the uh, global community. So we need it more than ever. I think inspired leadership is more important than ever. Um, our life journey defines our leadership. And I, I'm just interested, Robert, how have you reframed your life experiences and the individuals that you've met uh, to shape the leader that you are today as president of Globesec? So my life story begins really uh, when I was a teenager. Uh, I'm coming from, from a very complicated region, Central Europe. Uh, in uh, 1989, we had the Velvet Revolution, um, and we've been building up our young democracy. I'm from a young country, uh, which has only over 30 years. And... Uh, what, what shaped my career and my, my personality was the endeavor what our country wanted to become, uh, become part of the West, part of European Union, part of uh, NATO, part of the civilized world. 
And uh, with, with all the struggles we went through uh, of building this, with all the difficulties uh, uh, we've been going through, this is something that shaped me and shaped my uh, willingness to join a diplomatic career or uh, internet, uh, studying international relations and do something that can be impactful and change the course of the history. Mm. Because we've seen, I live the history. Uh, actually, I was six years old when the Velvet Revolution went on, and I've seen how uh, the, the the old generation of of activists, politicians, and uh, and leaders have been building uh, Europe whole, free, and at peace. And it was about leadership. It was about individual uh, courage and leaders that we are now part. Uh, of of the EU, we are now part of the West, and I think this is a tremendous history that we've been uh, going through, mm. and we've seen a huge dynamism in politics, uh, in security, in international relations, and often in history, Central Europe that I come from, Bratislava, Slovakia, a small country of uh, five million people, in the past has been just an object of the. Um, uh, of, of uh, bigger entities, um, just an object. Mm. And what we try to do is that uh, how can we become from an object to, to a subject of, of, uh, of international relations? Yeah, well, it's very interesting. And in my limited understanding of the history of, uh, of your country, I was always fascinated what happened in the late 1930s where Hitler you know, was trying to take a chunk of Czechoslovakia, as it was at the time, and the Sudetenland. And we all weakened uh, as European leaders, didn't lead at all, and just appeased him and gave him the chunk which had all the fortifications protecting Czechoslovakia. So as soon as he'd got the Sudetenland, he could then take the Czech bit and Slovakia. Um, we, we did you a great disservice then. I hope we don't do now particularly as we're dealing with another Hitler-like character with Putin throwing his weight around, taking the Crimea, taking the Donbass region and having a security operation, otherwise known as an invasion. Um, surely that's probably the biggest kind of threat going on for Europe in your lifetime and certainly in mine. What do you think about that situation? Absolutely, and, and, and you, you made a very uh, a good historic parallel because this is exactly what happened um, uh, in the 30s when politicians thought that they could appease Hitler by doing compromises. And I remember Chamberlain uh, saying, why should we care about this small country uh, far away and of the people that we don't know much about? So, so let's just strike kind of a deal that would prevent uh, uh, a second world war. But we've seen that uh, uh, if, if an aggressor gets what he wants, he doesn't stop there, he goes Correct. further. Yeah. I, so, so this reminds me very much of what's going on, on in, uh, in um, uh, Ukraine, because the war that's going on there by Vladimir Putin is not only against a sovereign country, it is against the very principles of international peace and principles of international order, where a small country or a big country, no matter whether you are small or big, can decide democratically about your leadership and where do you want to belong. But today, somebody says, like Vladimir Putin to its neighbor, you don't have this right because I 
decide on your behalf where should you belong. If we compromise in these principles of international order, we will be doomed uh, as the West. And I think that the future of the West is now being decided in Eastern Europe. So how we perform uh, in defense of our basic principles and in defense of our basic values will define the credibility of our life um, uh, of, of international relations and uh, of, of the West and our institutions as such. I, I think you're so right. And I was very disappointed. Um, I think it's probably because he's in his 90s and not quite as wise to hear uh, Henry Kissinger going, oh, well, you know, just let Russia have what it's uh, accumulated so far, Crimea, a bit the Donbass, that, that'll, that'll keep them happy. I mean, has he learned nothing? And this is where you, you had a good address at your recent uh, uh, Globesec uh, conference that you had, where you had some great world leaders and European leaders coming, where Zelensky himself spoke to you. And he just crushed that one because he goes, no, you start giving in to this, they're going to just keep eating more and more and more. Bullies just love to get their own way. Um, how was the conference, by the way? You met some fascinating, but tell us some of the, the famous names that we would have heard about that you had at your conference or at other conferences you've had in the last year or two. So let me first react on what you said, because you're very right. Um, uh, because this war did, didn't start uh, this year. It's going on for several years already. Don't forget Crimea in 2014 uh, and Donbas and, uh, and Luhansk. The problem was that it was too cheap for Putin. I mean, we didn't react. We gave him signals that this is a gray zone and we are not going to do, we are not ready to do, do anything. So we just scratched with sanctions. So he came to a conclusion where he miscalculated that the West again would do nothing simply. And I think this was a huge miscalculation. Um, but but you, you asked about the conference uh, exactly a week ago. We, we finished, uh, or just a few days ago, uh, with, uh, with our uh, 17th years of international uh, Globsec Forum, where we gathered uh, more than 1,500 leaders from more than 80 countries of the world. And that would include more than 30 foreign delegations on the prime ministers, presidents levels, foreign ministers. Um, we had so many inspiring leaders in Bratislava. We had the president of European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, President Zelensky speaking um, uh, online, uh, half of the uh, Ukrainian government. We had foreign minister of India, Jai Shankar, several ministers of defense, and many, many other business leaders who came to Bratislava to discuss about how we can make a world a better place, a more safer place, how we can build, a re build our own resilience in the face of this naked uh, aggression uh, in our neighborhood, and how we can mobilize uh, resources uh, to help uh, Ukraine to defend itself and to defend the values uh, they are, they are uh, defending uh, uh, right now. So I think it was very strong. Um, there was a very strong message that the West is united and we need to keep it like that uh, for, the, for the future. And there was a clear, clear message that uh, we cannot compromise an inch on the principles of the international order. Yeah, no, you, you're, you're so right. And Xi Jinping in China, you know, another strong man who's throwing his weight around. Um, you've got uh, Turkey with Erdogan and, and various other leaders 
who think that if we give in on this one, oh, how about China invading Taiwan? And, you know, a lot hangs on how we, how we deal with this one. And it will be interesting to see how long people keep an interest in supporting the Ukraine with weapons and equipment. I see Germany weakening, weakening a bit. They were going to give some armor to Poland and Poland was going to give their armor to Ukraine, but they haven't yet done that. And um, so, so we need people to hold their nerve. And this is going to take a long time. This war will not be over quickly. And I don't know how it's going to end. Do you have a do you have a prediction on how you think it's going to end? So this is uh, not just a local war. This is a transformational war and uh, the biggest um, war for decades on in the European com continent. And I would say the biggest since the Second World War. And it's brutal um, with, with a very horrific face. I was in Ukraine several weeks ago where I led a mission um, uh, an international um, delegation uh, to Kiev uh, of parliamentarians from different European countries. We organized it as Globsec, not only just to see with our own eyes uh, the destruction uh, uh, on, the out, on the outskirts of Kiev, but also to show support to Ukrainians and to discuss how Europe could better assist um, uh, to, to Ukraine. But I have to tell you that we've, we've seen in the media um, all these destructed uh, houses, um, buildings, uh, schools. But when you see it with your own eyes, uh, you simply can't believe that history in the 21st century is coming back mm. and with such a horrific face. And it is clear that the war was not and is not fought against um, uh, military. Um, targets but against civilian targets. This is insane, uh, and this is something which uh, which those who are responsible will need to be hold account. But we are seeing that these people are on the front lines of uh, democracy, are on the front lines of uh, the value based world. They are defending them, and we have the moral obligation to not to leave them alone, to give them a hope that they are part of Europe and we count on them uh, in 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 Europe. And this is very important. You are so right. And it's a calculated policy, clearly by Putin, to target, for example, destroying all the cranes and the, and the port facilities around Ukraine. So they can't export uh, their, their grain uh, and all the blockade of the Ukrainian coast and the destruction of all the factories. And things. So they're laying waste to the infrastructure of a whole country, which not only affects Ukraine, but the World Health Organization said much of the poorer countries rely on grain from Ukraine to survive. So Russia's causing famine in some of the most poor and needy countries around the world. And as you say, they've deliberately, and there's a number of cases already, targeted civilians, killing civilians deliberately and their houses and their blocks of flats. It's not an accident where some missiles destroy a hospital or whatever. One might be an accident, but when you find there's a, a consistency of all the hospitals, they've been firing missiles into them. It's, it's definitely this campaign. So that in itself is much more we can talk about. But I'd like to bring this back to yourself, Robert. As you grew up, the Velvet Revolution and your experience, what about your parents and your grandparents? You know, what, what professions did they have? What values did your mother and father 
bring you up with as a young lad before the age of six when you uh, went through the Velvet Revolution? Uh, I'm coming from a, a family which is uh, in healthcare. So my father is a pharmacist, my brother is a pharmacist, my mother is dentist. Uh, I'm the only one <laughs> in the family who decided to go a very different route uh, in international relations and, uh, and uh, diplomacy. Uh, and that was exactly because of, of, uh, of the, the, the changes that, that our country was going through. And it, it struck me such a huge interest that uh, I decided I want to be part and I want to help. I want to, I want to be part of this uh, historic moment and to, to, to help a little bit. Uh, yeah. but, 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 you know, the, all the values of, of um, uh, uh, being uh, resilient and building your dreams uh, are coming from, from the family and uh, from my parents. Uh, so, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for them for, for, you know, uh, bringing in the, the key values that I'm building on now. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, professionals like dentists and pharmacists have to be very persistent and stick at things because it's, it's tough for what they do. And indeed in this country, dentists have the highest rates of suicide because it's actually quite tough being a dentist, you're constantly dealing with people's mouths and things don't quite work out <laughs> as you want. And, and it's, it's tough, uh, tougher than people realize. Um, thinking about your whole life, you're 39 now, but um, what was the happiest or the proudest moment? And then also what was the, the darkest moment of your life, personally or professionally? And what did you learn from both those happiest moments and your darkest moments? So I would say the, the happiest moment was when my son was born. Uh, uh, I have a five-year-old uh, son. And, um, you know, uh, since then, you know, you have a diff another reason or additional reason why you want to do uh, or make the world a better place. Um, and you want to do it. Uh, uh, and um, um, I'm also very proud when, when we achieve something with Globsec and and we are getting international feedback, whether it's from media or lead, uh, political or business leaders. And they say that they want to come back um, uh, to our conference or forum and they, they want us to, uh, uh, to organize it and, um, and to, to, to help them, brief them. This is something which, uh, which, which tells me that um, uh, the work or the job uh, we are doing has some impact. So, so that makes me happy. Uh, the darkest moment, I would say, is uh, was during the COVID time, when when we needed to cut our stuff and we went into serious troubles when it comes to financing and uh, and, and and trying to uh, survive um, uh, this time, um, and, and it was really really difficult. But we've been able we've been able to go through it, and we took it as an opportunity to get out from uh, the crisis stronger. So one thing that I've learned in this crisis is that uh, you 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 never come out of the crisis the same. You either walk out weakened or strengthened, mm. and it's about the transformation or how you uh, how you transform uh, the crisis into an opportunity. And that's the key thing. Actually, we, we had the Pope Francis speaking at our conference last year. And, and, and these were his very strong uh, words where he said, 
let's take the, the global pandemic as a um, as, as an opportunity to build a world better, um, to to learn from our uh, mistakes, and to make sure that we all come out stronger. Mm. Well, I'm not sure that we are there yet, but actually uh, there is a big truth in 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 his words. I, I think there is, and th there's many who look at the uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, the pandemic and the uh, impact on supply lines and people trying to do things in-house themselves. And they go, you know, the global dream is over, that everybody's now becoming nationalistic and selfish and looking after their own country. And, and, and it isn't, but people just see it in, in a short slice of history and they don't realize that this is a, a longer term. Let's come back to uh, you. You've got a five-year-old. Uh, he will, it will not be very long, 11 years, and he'll suddenly be 16, which is quite a key turning point in life. Um, what bit of advice, if you travel back in time to see the young Robert Vash, what bit of advice do you, would you give to yourself at that age, which is quite influential, knowing what you know now from meeting people like Pope Francis and uh, po political leaders, prime ministers, presidents? What's important? What's not important? What would be your words of wisdom to yourself? Uh, I would say two things. Uh, first, I would say mm, don't waste your time with negative people or those people who are telling you that you can't do something. Uh, surround yourself with people who are better than you, who are inspiring even you, uh, because that that moves you further. And if you because if you invest time into people who suck out your energy, you don't have time to be constructive and, and to, 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 to build something. Uh, uh, and the second thing I would, I would say is never do it alone. Even though you have the resilience, you have uh, uh, great uh, ambitions, um, you will never be strong enough alone. You need yeah. to be able to build around yourself a wall of, of uh, leaders like you who believe you and you can trust them, who will be helping you in, in difficult times um, mm. because these times will come. And then you need good friends and you need the good people who will support you. So I think these, these two things uh, are the key, key, key two things that I've learned um, in in. in 17 years that I'm, I'm building an organization as Globsec. Yeah, yeah. No, you've done, you've done a lot to build that one. And particularly getting through the pandemic, it hit me very hard. I had uh, an 80% drop in my revenues during the pandemic and building it back has been a tough one. It, it's, it's, it's working, but it's just, I think it's tough for many businesses. It's had a huge impact on us. Um, what we have in life, crucible moments. The pandemic was one of them. Uh, personal events that happened to us. Um, those crucible moments shape us, as you say, like Pope Francis said, you know, can we can we come out better from it? Can we frame it in a way that we've learned something from it rather than seeing ourselves as victims? But we all have regrets. If you had a regret, what's your biggest regret in life? Difficult question. And uh, I, I, could, I could talk about uh, failures a lot because everything that you learn or the biggest lessons that you learn are around failures. Uh, 
and it's not just like uh, it, it's not just a cliche it's actually truth and, and also people who tell you honestly um, a negative feedback is also very important because often those people who are honest uh, with you and who, who give you who don't just praise you but who give you honest feedback these people tend to stay in your life longer than just those who are praising you but um, one, one thing I would do differently uh, is that when my son was born, we told to ourselves with my wife that uh, our life will not change, will we'll, we'll go on. But the, the impact was that my life didn't change uh, so much, but her life changed a lot because I traveled a lot. And, and this is something that I would, I would, I would simply do differently, a, a better balance uh, uh, during the first and, se first and second year uh, of, of my son, because I was just too much away on, on, uh, on, on business trips and, and elsewhere. So if there's somebody who is listening to this, I, I, I give this uh, very strong advice, which uh, goes from my own experience. Yeah, and um, I think that's so true. And um, you know, I'm now a grandfather to two, I've got four children of my own. And seeing my uh, my stepson with his two young children, they're only about a, a year between them both. It is very draining on him and and on his wife. And if men think they can just leave it to the woman to to sort things out, they get it badly wrong. Everything changes once you have a child. Everything changes, and, and exactly. in some ways, they say that nature has given us this ability to forget. For the woman to forget the pain of birth. And for the man to forget how difficult it was, so they'll have another one. Otherwise, the human race would suddenly be extinct if we knew what it was really going to be like. Mm -hmm. um, let's then thank you for that about uh, you know your biggest regret in life uh, of being perhaps a better father and being more present at the birth of your child. And and I know that uh, having been an army officer when my children were growing up, but I was pleased to be there at the birth of both my children. But I think. In my own case, I was away on tour in Northern Ireland when the children were so very young and I needed to come back. I had to come back to help out because it was just too much for my, mm. my ex-wife. Um, and and, I, and I, I wish I'd been there to help them all, but you're sent away on six month tours to fight terrorism and things like this. And I had to do that. Um, we'll go around the Inspire Leadership Compass. This is based, uh, Robert, on our research into what makes inspiring men, inspiring women and inspiring teams. And the first one is MQ, moral quotient, your integrity, your values, your beliefs. Um, what's your true north that makes you authentic? And what's happened when you've not lived according to your values? I, for example, um, think of a couple of occasions, number of occasions in my time, when I didn't stick to my values, I let them slip. And I'm embarrassed about that. I'm not proud of those moments. And I had to haul myself back and learn the harsh lesson of not sticking to my integrity and behaving in a way that I espoused and said was the way to behave. I hadn't done that myself. What about you? What are, what are your values and what have you learned when you let it slip? And how did you bring yourself back to true north? So first of all, I... I... I strongly believe in the values of, of democracy and values of, of uh, free world. This is, this is, I mean, one of the key points uh, that drives me further. 
but when it comes to the principles uh, I'm, I'm, I'm following, it, is, it has been always a can-do approach. I always came from, um, uh, came from a situation where nine people told me it is impossible. Uh, don't do it, it's just too much energy, etc. Even the 10th people told me the same. Uh, we always found a solution or we always found um, a way how to get things done. So, so th this is one of my strongest, uh, strongest um, uh, principles uh, that I'm, I'm trying to do in, in uh, my organization. The second is that don't wait for opportunity. Rather create it yourself because somebody needs to create these opportunities and if you want to shape the world around you you need to be active you you don't wait for others to shape it or to fix it for you but you can fix it and you can create these opportunities and the third is that um never be satisfied uh with uh, with average um the ambition is to be excellent uh, the ambition is to be uh, uh, to be better and, and to prove um, um, that uh, you can do it. I would say uh, these are the basic basic things um, that, that that are defining me. Yeah, I, I really relate to that one, particularly the don't be average. And uh, I remember when having been given outstanding reports throughout my army career as a young British army officer, uh, I then went to the, the Top Gun School, as they called it, which was the <laughs> Royal Military Academy Sandhurst to be an instructor myself, to train the next generation of leaders. And I was given an average report. And I thought, I don't do average. I've never been average. What do you mean? But the other guys were much better than me. And I had to raise my game. It was a crucible moment for me. It was a crisis. And that's when I reached out to find out about people who'd known my father who was killed when I was two and a half. He was a Top Gun. He was a pilot who was killed like Goose in that first Top Gun film. And, and well, I, I learned from them about learning from leaders like you and passing it on to other people, learning from you. But my question to you as well was, what have you done when you let your values slip? How did you bring yourself back, Robert? Just in, in one sentence or two, give us an example and how you brought yourself back when you didn't stick to the espoused values. Often... As a leader, uh, you often need to inspire um, the team you have. But you're right that um, sometimes you need these inspiring leaders for yourself. Because many times um, you're out of energy or uh, you're burning out or, or you think uh, you made so many mistakes that whether it's worth to, to continue. And in those cases, uh, people or leaders who are on the top found theirself, found, find themselves alone. And they cannot show it uh, to the team uh, many times. They, 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 they need to show the persistence. But uh, actually, uh, what, what helps, helped me at that time are, are good friends outside um, and, and, and other inspiring leaders who helped me to go through 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 the difficulties and the mistakes uh, uh, you've done, and together 
get a, a, a different perspective on them. Yeah, and I think you're right. I would challenge you to say that from my experience and the CEOs that I work with around the world, uh, only the strong can be vulnerable. And part of the uh, problem with the likes of people like Trump and you know Erdogan and uh, Boris Johnson is they try and put on this strong front and people know that actually that's not the case. So I wish you'd encourage you when you're having a challenge and you're finding your energy is low, they can see it, you can see it. So who are you kidding? So actually I would say at those moments, just say, guys, I'm a bit, a bit low on energy at the moment or I'm finding this a bit tough. We will get through this, but just bear with me because they can see it and then they'll relate to you. Um, let's move from MQ, your moral quotient, to PQ. What gives your life meaning purpose? You're doing, you're, for 17 years, you've set up GlobeSec and you've been the president of it. It's your baby. What is your calling in your vacation? Why do you do this? Why, Robert? So one of the reasons uh, why we started uh, all of this was um, uh, to make an international impact. Often, so again, I'm coming from a small country, 5 million. It's one city in the US or even a small city in India or somewhere else. And um, often there was a brain drain in our country. And there was often um, uh, an idea that if you want to do something big or you change the world or have an impact, you have to, you have to go to US, you have to go to big cities, to London, elsewhere. Now, I strongly disagreed with that. Um, uh, and also with, with our friends uh, with whom we established Globsec, because we strongly believe that even from a small country or a small city, you can do things that have international impact and that the, the, this, the ambition of the country is not defined by how big it is, but how strong ideas you can simply produce um, and uh, uh, that, that, can be, that can be realized internationally. And it's about those ideas, those projects, those, um, um, uh, those um, strong leaders who then can give uh, even a small country a big voice. Yeah, I like that. Uh, it's not about the size of the country, it's the strengths of your beliefs and the strengths of your ideas. I do, I do like that. From MQ to PQ to health quotient, uh, your brain health and your physical health. Now, Robert, I can only guess by looking at you, you look healthy, but I don't know. <laughs> what do you do to look after your brain health and what do you do to look after your physical health and what works for you that you pass on tips to people listening? So definitely, um, you know, uh, you, you need um, uh, mental hygiene. You need to get out of your bubble uh, often. Um, the worst thing with leaders is that when they close down themselves in, in, in bubbles uh, and they live there. Uh, so what I do is uh, I sport a lot. Um, I, I ski, I hike. Um, and I like to travel. I like to, 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 to learn new cultures, new places. That's uh, something that, that I like uh, most. And this is bringing me out of the bubble. This is um, helping me uh, you know, to, to do the men mental hygiene. 
Um, so a combination of sports and getting to know new places uh, in the world. Brilliant. And what about physical? Do you have a, a regime? Every, I mean, you do the sports and you do the hiking. And uh, you, you I do gym. Ski. I do what gym. Do you do press do ups gym, each morning or something like that? <laughs> I, I would say three to four times a week. Uh, yeah, uh, I do gym. That that's something that that I, I I have a part of the routine. Yeah, that's good. And what about uh, do you do intermittent fasting? Sixteen hours of fasting, eight hours of eating. Do you do healthy eating? What what are you are you studying? What makes your body healthy? The microbiome and uh, glucose and things like that and avoiding mm -hmm. sugar and refined carbs i would say i i have times when i do it when i um when i do low carbs uh but then i have simply very stressful moments when i simply can't do it so so this is kind of uh, this is not so consistent as i would like it to be yeah, well, uh, it, it's work in progress for all of us. It's um, yeah. I, I found that since I've studied it so much more, I've read about 20 or 30 books on the topic. Um, it's so key to our performance day to day, but also to die young at a ripe old age rather than to um, get ill a long time before you eventually die. So let's look after our health and well-being. Hey, Robert. The next one is EQ, emotional and social intelligence. I mean, goodness, there's you. You're having to get a whole load of people, influence them, uh, get countries and politicians to agree to come to the, the, the 17 forums that you've done. And you want to make it so it's not just a talking shop, but actually some action comes from it. What are they going to do? Learning and action. So what would be your top tip in building skills in rapport, listening, influencing people? So first of all, I was, I was learning by practice. Uh, I started very young. I was uh, around 20 years old when I started with, uh, with this job. And um, I have to say that uh, this was a learning in progress. It's, it's constant learning for 17 years. And if you have 80... Uh, nationalities coming to your forum, you find out that, uh, ev and everybody thinks, uh, and everybody is important. Uh, some of them have very, you know, important people, uh, um, high egos. And to deal with all these people, it's extremely difficult. You need to, you need to be able to develop skills where you make uh, simply everybody happy and everybody goes from from the forum that, that you create uh, happy so so really this is about uh, learning by practice and uh, and learning what 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 people really um what what makes them happy but learning by practice is very interesting if you've got some good role models some good mentors some good coaches have you ever had a mentor have you had any coaching yourself from a leadership coach I didn't have uh, a training or a coaching from, from a leadership coach, but I would say I had a, a coach in my organization, somebody who inspires me, and that, that was a coach itself. Um, and uh, that, that was one of uh, our uh, ambassadors who, in a very, very early 
uh, stage of building up the organization. He, he believed uh, in me, he believed in us. Uh, I brought him in as the uh, uh, chairman of the board. Um, this was a diplomat, former Slovak um, ambassador to United States, ambassador to Hungary, Czech Republic uh, now. Um, uh, somebody who, who made so much uh, to put our country back on track uh, when it comes to EU and NATO. And uh, um, he's a value-based leader, and that's something which, uh, which uh, um, helped me to learn how to deal with people, uh, how to build relationships, and how to turn these relationships into constructive agendas, how you can turn the relationship into, into, into building something, uh, uh, some, some, some political uh, and international impact. Uh, so, so, so I was happy to have uh, these people around. Yeah, that, you're very lucky to have had someone who's been an ambassador uh, and to America and different countries like that. Which actually touches on to the next point of around the Inspire Leadership Compass CQ, which is uh, collaborative, cognitive and cultural intelligence. How have you developed your cultural intelligence and your ability to get on with people who are very different to you and from a variety of different social backgrounds and to recognize diversity, equality and inclusion? What's your top tip for getting on well with people who are very different from you? So, again, it's something which is in my DNA, uh, because, again, coming from the region, which is multinational, which in the history, and I come from a city, which has been part of so many different countries. Uh, my grandma told me that she didn't move from the city, but she was living in uh, four or five different countries, because the, 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 the borders has been constantly changing. And uh, also the family that I come from is, is bilingual and, uh, and part of it trilingual. So German, Slovak, and Hungarian. And when you learn, when, when you have these languages from the very childhood, it helps you to, to think in different structures. Because if you learn in one language, it, 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 you think in one structure. But if you learn these languages from your childhood, the structures that you think in are very different and it, it helps you to develop critical thinking, but also mm. empathy towards somebody who, is, who, who, who has a completely different, uh, dif different background. Yeah. So I think this is, this is very, very, very strong um, observation that, that, um, that, that I had. Yeah, uh, so true. Which takes us on nicely from that um, empathy and cultural thinking and, and the diverse thinking to a topic that you've talked about quite a bit. It's obviously a key essence of you, Robert, which is RQ, resilience against adversity. How have you picked yourself up in times of adversity, like when the pandemic had to make you close down a lot of Globesec and lay a number of people off because you're in the middle of a pandemic, and what's you said your parents have helped give you some resilience but what's your top tip about resilience in adverse conditions i would say the biggest factor in the resilience we've built is the belief in the cause because if the belief and the passion for the cause or for the mission that you have 
is not deep enough, uh, then you would just give up. Mm. So I think that the number one in building resilient teams is to make sure that they understand that in difficult times, that they can go through very difficult times, but it is worth not for money, but for the impact and the mission uh, uh, they are doing. So I think it's, it's really the, the deep, deep belief uh, in the mission and the passion uh, to, 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 to realize it. Beautifully put. I, I, I am so in accord with that. Obviously, with my military background, when we were doing work, for example, in Bosnia to keep the peace after the Dayton Peace Accord, the company I had of 140 soldiers and 14 tanks, we knew our mission was critical to Europe's peace and security. And it gave us a real sense of purpose and resilience to overcome various problems we had, such as Serbian generals who decided to try and break the rules. And uh, uh, we had to try and close things down before it broke out into conflict again. Um, so I really, I, I really like that, that, that belief in a cause, a passion and a mission must be deep to stop you giving up. Thank you for that, Robert. Love it. Brand quotient, BQ, uh, is the penultimate one. Um, as you grow, you've got this ambassador who was a good coach to you, but have you yet had 360-degree feedback from about 20 people who are in your organization and outside your organization to understand how others see you as a leader and what you can do to improve? And if you haven't yet done it, when are you going to do it? Hmm. Uh I think we've done this in the past only once, uh, but uh, I, I think this is a very, very good um, exercise that needs to be done on, on a regular basis. Um, it doesn't mean we are not doing feedbacks. We do uh, the, the, the feedbacks. Um, and, and, and I think quick and constant feedback is the most important, uh, but uh, uh, 360 is something that I remember and we've done it was very useful in in uh, in learning in getting the, the right feedback from people who surround you or with whom you work so 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 definitely yes but on the feedback on 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 me uh, basically that's what you what you uh, yeah. asked yeah. is is uh, to some extent that I'm very demanding so it means that sometimes I'm running too fast and the rest is not able to run as fast. Um, so I and other leaders need to be also, uh, um, you know, take into consideration that you can transform and do things as, as fast as your team is able to do it. Because you cannot be disconnected from the rest. No. Because if you disconnect yourself, then, then, then you create a real trouble. So this is something which, which, that needs a lot of lot of um, uh, uh, discussions and coordination internally and detailed oriented and I would say I would say uh, out of box thinking. Yeah, yeah. So it's good to have your out of box thinking. It's good that you have that real passion and drive, and you must remember to bring people with you, mm. and and at a exactly. pace that, that that is sustainable. Because you know we're not on a sprint; we're on a triathlon. You know, particularly with the pandemic, exactly. and, and people are quite exhausted by it all. So you have to pace it so it's sustainable. Good point. Legacy is the eighth of the uh, inspiring leadership components. 
what would you like your legacy to be in your work and in your personal life in a sentence for each robert so uh in in the brand or, or at globsec at Berk, i would like the legacy to be a sustainable organization that would outlive me um that would outlive uh, my my person and 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 uh, our team that would be stronger than us um that would be my legacy um with that connected that um i would be happy if 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 the forum and the organization is well recognized uh, internationally and that uh, the city of bratislava is firmly put uh similarly as davos um as as, as a place to go uh, when it comes to international international mm. uh, discussions for us, and yep. when it comes to, to to personal life, uh, you know the biggest uh, achievement you can get, of course, in personal life uh, are your children. Making sure they are they are successful, they are value based, and uh, and they know they have the right the moral compass uh, uh, in in life that will help them to guide through difficult times um and uh, and and that they they will know uh th- that this compass will guide them uh when it is needed well, that's a, that's a good one I, I think um this idea of uh, and i'm very lucky with four children two of my own and two of, of my uh, my wife's that um they're now launched age 26 to 30 and i'm proudest of them that they're they're happy they're balanced, they've got partners in their lives, they're, they're doing worthwhile work that they find fulfilling and makes a difference in the world. And they're in good health and they have a strong set of values, as you say, I think that's well put. Executive teams next after inspiring leadership. Um, what have you done, Robert? You know, 17 years of the forum, you started young when you were 20, um, in your twenties. Uh, when you've had teams in the past, that went a little bit toxic or an individual went a bit toxic or were, uh, didn't, didn't really add value. What have you done to turn the team around and make it high performing? What was your action that you took? Mm. Mm. So what, what I've learned um, uh, during um, uh, the building up Globsec and, and the leadership is that first, the first thing you need to do is to get the right people on the board people with whom you can 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 build and then discuss the strategy you can't build a strategy on your own and get other people just to passively agree on it so if you want to build a high performing team it's very important that you create the dynamism inside and the trust where collectively you can pull uh, the organization or a specific project further. We had quite a big, um, uh, you know, uh, changes in, in the team. Um, basically, part of the part of the reasons was a very huge dynamism and a too fast run. Uh, so it was like a sprint, but then it turned out to be a marathon with high pace, which which then. Um, uh, makes people say that this is not sustainable for for a long term that's why i was saying the previous uh, point um, but uh, there were times where we had internally toxic people and there were times when when these toxic people create 
created an unbearable toxicity uh, internally that 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 downgrades the the organizational culture that downgrades uh, the values like can do approach, um, etc. And uh, and those times, uh, so I learned that you need to get rid very quickly of these people. If you cannot turn them around, then you cannot let them to to um, you know to, to change your organization. Second point is that if you build a strong, uh, resilient organization, then the the culture of the organization itself would expel these people. So they would drop out quicker and you don't have to do it. So, so if you build the right culture, then the, the culture of the organization does it itself, uh, itself and you don't have to do it. Um, but then if it, if it grows bigger uh, than, than, than simple, simply we needed to cut, uh, you know, several departments, et cetera, made, uh, real uh big big, big changes um so bring yeah. on the right people and make sure uh quickly that yeah. um, um uh, th these people are part of the culture and if not um then yeah. help them find maybe other organizations help them find the happiness elsewhere because because it might be yeah. they're they're great people it's just not the right fit for you and there has to be the exactly. right fit with the culture and the culture has to be healthy that brings people on develops them encourages them but if they have gone toxic you've got to you've got to act quickly otherwise it it makes the whole the whole team starts getting toxic great great a bit of advice thank you my penultimate question is um books on leadership uh, what's been a favorite book on leadership that you've read recently that you'd recommend others uh, listening around the world uh, have a read of the book or listen to an audio book or a podcast? What would you recommend? So on this, I have a very clear view because the best book on leadership I read was from Jim Collins, uh, Good to Great. And mm -hmm. he has written several books, uh, Great by Choice and uh, many others. But, but I'm a big fan of of, of the book um, about the, the fifth grade leadership and uh, and a quite uh, interesting analysis what distinguishes the great companies from just good companies average companies and average uh, organizations what is the difference and uh, and uh, what what how they've done it um, so so I recommend the good to great uh, from from Jim Collins yeah, and level five leadership is in essentially inspiring leadership. Mm -hmm. People who have humility, a bit of humanity, a bit of humor, but, but they don't have to be big, loud people. They don't have to be extroverts. They can actually, many of them are introverts, quite thoughtful, reflective types, but they have high levels of emotional and social intelligence. They can bring the best out of other people and they have that purpose and that mission. So love that one. It's a favorite of mine too. <laughs> okay, Robert, this is great. Perfect timing. We're now coming to the, the final piece, um, which is your two-minute top tip. So, Robert, would you kindly introduce yourself, uh, the role you do, what your organization does, and share with us your top leadership tip? My name is Robert Vash. I'm leading a think tank international organization Globsec, which is a non-governmental non organization, uh, dealing with international security, geopolitics. Um, we are trying to make a world better 
by putting together the right people at the right place at the right time, but also by creating uh, policy recommendations and trying to see beyond the horizon. Um, the tip for leadership that I've learned in these 17 years is never give up. It sounds like cliche. It sounds like cliche because many people are saying it, never give up, you can do it. But actually, uh, if you wanna build an organization, you need to be persistent. Um, you need to be consistent and need to believe in the cause uh, you are doing, because there will be a lot of uh, there will be a lot of uh, uh, problems, a lot of things that uh, that will prevent you or will want to prevent you to succeed. And maybe you make uh, uh, you know one mistake, two mistakes, three mistakes. But if you don't give up, at the end people will trust you that you will do everything possible to achieve the mission uh you are striving to to achieve and if people will believe that you are putting all your energy into that they will start to follow you and they will start to do the same because you cannot expect it from other organizations and other partners to do it if you own uh, don't do it and you give up at the first or the second uh, second uh, uh problem thank you very much indeed robert vash that was uh a really enjoyable uh, conversation. And I also appreciate all that you're doing to try and look after the security, the cooperation, the sustainability of Europe at this crucial time with the Russian invasion of the Ukraine, with the results of the pandemic, the expansion of Europe, the expansion of NATO. We need security and we need the work that you're doing. So thank you for all you do for us all. Thank you very much. And it was a great pleasure to be part of this inspiring leadership podcast. Thanks, Robert.